Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Thomas Cox. He is the executive director of the Sauk County uh, Development Corporation in Wisconsin. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dane. Nice to be here. Absolutely. So, uh, Sauk County, did I say that correctly? Yes, yeah. Although I'm obviously not a native of the area, but I do believe that is correct. No, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. The only thing I know about Sauk County is... That is where uh, Wisconsin Dells is, isn't I think. Is that true? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin well, Dells is, uh, the... is uh, like a only thing I know is that it's a place where you go for uh, like water slides and water parks. Yeah, I think it's uh, the water park capital of the world is what the, the greater area of, of the Dells is known for. So it is definitely worth a visit if you haven't been there. Well, it's it's on the list, I think. You know, um, Gatlinburg, Niagara Falls, Wisconsin Dells; those are all in my mind. They're all probably relatively similar, and so that's it's on the it's on the list ultimately to to make it there. But so I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, you you're right. You don't sound like you're from Wisconsin. So um, where are you, where are you from? Uh, so originally, I'm from from England. So about an hour southwest of London. Uh, is where I grew up and spent the first 25 years of my life. Wow. Okay. This is going to be quite the story. How did you end up in Sauk County, Wisconsin? Uh, yeah. So I guess the story of how I ended up in America is that my met my wife. Um, I met her absolutely by chance. She was doing her master's degree at Colorado State University. I was there visiting my brother, who was on the track and field team. And we ended up meeting and then 10 years has passed and, and we're married and we have a three-year-old now. So for the previous almost decade, I was in Colorado uh, and I worked in Estes Park, um, which had some, some tourist similarities to some of the areas in Salt County. Sure, sure. So uh, I noticed on your LinkedIn in Estes Park, you were some kind of uh, worked in the entrepreneurial center, I think. Yeah. So I, my, my role really, I was hired to try and build one. So Estes Park was a, a different type of economic development. It, it, was, it was only founded in the late 20, um, 2010s due to a huge flood that happened and, and shut down basically every way into the community. Um, so they had no way of getting in or out. The ATMs were down. The police system was down. No, no way of charging for anything. Uh, and so they, they created this economic development corporation to try and create a more robust and more resilient community. Obviously, fast forward a few years and we entered the COVID era and everyone was very happy that we had these type of things to put there. 
Um, but Estes Park as a space is surrounded by a granite collar. And so when we talk about business attraction or expansion, there isn't really any physical space to do that. And so one of the areas that they were looking to improve upon was how do we get more people in the community to start? How do we find people that have already started businesses? And then how do we help them, how do we help them scale? Uh, and so they, they wanted to build this, this e-center or this entrepreneur center. Uh, and I was hired on board to try and achieve that. Fantastic. And so then, um, you made the move to Wisconsin. What, what led to that? Yeah, that's a, I don't want to put too much of a downer on things. We went through a bit of a personal tragedy. Our, our second son, unfortunately passed away and oh, I'm so sorry. I think with the trouble, Henry, our first son was. Uh, born in the beginning of 2020. And so it wasn't really how we thought it would be because we didn't get to join any baby classes or we didn't get sure. to, to do anything that we thought was going to be fun with the kid. We just had to sit inside um, with, with, with any kid is a disaster. But so we kind of had to look at what we wanted uh, and what we wanted out of life. And one of the things that we thought was a bit silly was we were in Colorado was great. And we still love it, but it was taking us 45, 50 minutes to go seven, eight miles across Fort right. Collins or down to Boulder and, and through there. And our son was in daycare nine till five every day. And they kind of looked at each other and went, this doesn't feel right. Um, and so I wouldn't say that we were actually looking, we were more just kind of having a, a peek over the top. Uh, someone from Sauk County, they actually hired a recruitment firm. Someone reached out to me. Um, uh, we had a conversation. I came out and visited. I took my family out here and visited and it just had a lot of the things within the community that we were looking for. And so we, uh, we kind of jumped in with two feet and took the plunge. Um, so far, it's been great, uh, and we're very happy. So long may that continue. Wow. So um, that's yeah, that's interesting. So what what um, you know what's economic development like in Sauk County? So I think well, originally our our organization was started at the closure of Badger Munitions, which was one of the if not the largest munition maker in terms of the Second World War. Uh, it, it shuttered in, in the early 70s, and in 1976, we were created to, to try and help bring companies in so that these thousands of people could have a place to, to work, so that people could stay in the area. Uh, right now, I think we're more in line with the rest of the country in that we have more jobs than people. And so economic development has changed quite dramatically in terms of what we were founded to be and to what we are now. Uh, and one of the things that enticed me to the area was they were looking at how to reimagine what economic development could be in Sault County. We have at the very top of the county, as you mentioned, we have the Wisconsin Dells and it's, it is the area and actually most of them are located in a village of Lake Delton. Um, and it's a huge entrepreneurial space. But when, when you talk about these businesses, they are, they are enormous multi-million billion dollar businesses that were started by entrepreneurs. Uh, the rest of the county is very much an agricultural manufacturing base. Uh, and I think as we're starting to see some companies push out from Madison, we're only about uh, anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour northwest of Madison. And as we're starting to see some of these tech companies, um, biohealth, bioscience companies come out, especially with the designation of Wisconsin being one of the, the new designated um, tech hubs, that got released, there was a feeling that we need to jump into the 21st century um, on a broad scale. Obviously, in a lot of these businesses, and I think agriculture gets a bad rap. I, I don't know any 
sector that uses as much AI as agriculture. But I think from a, an outside perception, how do we take some of the smaller businesses and help everyone in their day-to-day -day lives live better lives? Uh, and so what role does the SCDC play in that? How do we align with our local government organizations and, and try and step forward to increase the quality of life and standard of living for, for the people that live here or call this place home? Gotcha. So what does your um, job look like on a sort of day-to-day -day level? Like what, do you, you know, what are you working on? Yeah, so I think, well, I was brought in to redo the strategic and operational plan, and that's getting released at the end of November um, 2023. Uh, and we've kind of gone out and reimagined what the strategic plan traditionally had the traditional pillars of economic development, BR&E, attraction, mm -hmm. workforce development. Um, and a lot of that felt as though, although they could still be the overarching anchors of what we were looking to achieve, maybe the initiatives within them weren't listening to the people that lived here. Uh, and maybe we were trying to force our ideas onto them as opposed to listening to what they wanted their community to be like. Um, so day to day right now, I've only been here a year. I spend my time going around and driving to be in each of the communities. Uh, we have open office hours on each of them. We've built this strategic and operational plan. Um, and then they provided me with three things they thought were needing work. And again, probably like most communities across the nation, it's housing childcare and workforce readiness or workforce development. Uh, and so for me, I sit on a number of the boards of regional or statewide organizations to try and stay abreast of, of what's happening, what's changing in those areas. Um, and I'm very fortunate that some of the people I work with are extremely versed and well-versed in each of those areas that we've been able to, to make some good impacts this year as well. That's great. That's fantastic because you know everyone's having those exact same issues. So uh, if you had to give us a hint, what is it um, you think is going to be the solution to those problems or what have you discovered? Uh, in terms of a solution, I, I don't have the magic egg. And I think that's some of the things that, or the golden egg, I think that's the thing everyone's hoping is provided. Uh, and I think you mentioned the IEDC conference in one of your blogs and some of the other ones. And yeah, there is a very small part of me that turns up going, man, I hope someone has the secret sauce. And they just tell us all and we'll, we'll know it, knowing deep down that that's not going to happen, but it doesn't stop the hope that's behind it. Um, I think some of the big changes that we've seen, we have, a, we have a community called Reedsburg that's doing amazing things within the housing space. One of the things that they've done is try to remove as many barriers as possible for developers coming into town. We had one come in on a Thursday and by Monday it was in front of the city to see whether we could approve them moving forwards. Um, so really trying to remove some of those traditional bureaucratic um, stop signs or, or red lights that could pop up. Uh, and the other thing that they've done is they've focused on all types of housing. They know that there's a need for workforce, but right now we have duplexes, triplexes, single family, uh, row houses, 55 plus community and higher end apartments all being built in a town, in a city the size of 10,000 people. Um, so they've taken this this huge brushstroke approach of we can't solve it with one. We're going to have to have a multifaceted approach, um, and and that's what they've done. And it's it's really cool to see. Wow, that's that's phenomenal. Um, you know, we hear about that where cities are speeding up the process of approving new developments, and I just wonder: are they speeding up the process, or are they um, removing steps? Because I think that's always a concern. Are they, you know, taking the checks away, the checks and balances that are 
inherent in the process or are they just speeding up those steps? I mean, again, I, I hope that it's the speed. I hope that nothing integral is being removed. Um, right. I, I know the process of which they went through for some of these. And it's not just housing. It's any commercial development. They have a, a new business park opening up too. And they're embarking on a new public um, wastewater treatment plant that they, they received ARPA funds for and things like that. What they've done is they found a way to basically call emergency meetings and the committee members have agreed to them. So there are no time restraints. So I believe all the steps are still being followed. Um, and I would trust that they are knowing the people there, but they've kind of agreed as a community, as a culture, that if they're going to do something about this, then how they act has to change. That's phenomenal to hear because, you know, you, you hear about communities in which this is such a challenge and, you know, we don't want, we don't want it to change. We don't want it to be different than when we arrived. We don't want to you know, allow certain kinds of housing. And it's just really good to hear that there are places that are being proactive and, and the communities behind it. And you're, you know, moving forward with such um, speed. Yeah, I think it is good to see. And I think I, I'm lucky, I'm you know, blessed in some ways that I have different communities in my county that have taken completely different approaches. We have one community that is really focused on how do we build a visitable downtown? They mm. focus on small business, they focused on events. Um, they've got a historic looking downtown and it's amazing. And they have people visiting from all over the space, but they haven't really made the strides in housing that say Reedsburg has. Reedsburg is really focused on infrastructure. They have laid fiber broadband. You can get 10 gigs for $110 a month. Uh, and then they're building all of these different houses, but they haven't spent a lot of time in the small business downtown focus. And so for me as a case study, I want to make sure they both work. But I'm so interested over the next decade to look at, well, which approach actually led to the, the best results for us? Did we focus on making a place that people want to visit and then maybe live? Or did we build places for people to live in the hope that they then stay and build businesses so that more people visit? That is, that will be interesting to see. And, you know, I think that we all sort of have our preconceived notions of which one's going to work, but it'll it will be interesting to see and then be able to take the information and the knowledge that you gain being a part of this and and being able to apply that because like you said you have multiple cities within your county and you know I have multiple cities within my, within my county and it's always good to take something that's working in one place and say hey have you guys considered this because it's working you know on the other side of the county and if we could do that nationwide i mean that's ultimately what's going to have to happen yeah i think so and I'm excited by it. I, I try not to. It's not my job to, I don't view it as my job, I should say, to tell people exactly what they have to do. I go in mm -hmm. and present all of the options uh, and, and I try and be as best support as I can for them. But if I don't live in this place and I don't, I don't have the background and the understanding of what they have and what their culture and places are like, I can't come in and say, don't do that, do this. All I can give them is the information and then support them as best I can as they make the decisions. Otherwise, everywhere in the county ends up looking like what Thomas wants. And ultimately, right. what Thomas wants does, doesn't really matter. So, Right, right. That's good. That's a very good point. Um, you know, because sometimes we do get so caught up in, you know, our knowledge and our experience and, and our preferences that that's what we, you know, we want everybody to do. So that, that is a, an excellent point. It's not easy because sometimes you just want to shake people around the neck and go, please don't do this. But right. if they decide to, then it, it's my job to, to try and make that work as best I can. 
That's good. That's good. So do you work for the county government or do you work for a, a private entity or how does that part work? Yes, we're private. We're a 501c4. Okay. Um, and so we were, we were set up to, to not be part of um, the county government. And we, we were actually, I think, a historian told me, we were the first county-wide, non-county affiliated economic development agency in the state. Um, I was uh, meeting with someone that was around back in those days, just making sure I understood the history. And that's what they told me. I haven't had enough time to fact check, so, so don't hold me up on that. But it was sure. a cool conversation. That is, that is. Okay. So you report to a board. Do you have a staff mm -hmm. or is it just you or how does that work? So I don't have any paid staff for me. We have a number of people that, that work on projects for us that are mm -hmm. um, like some people in the county health department are helping at the moment with our housing initiative because it was deemed a, a health um, oh. priority. So they did a housing study just before I got here. Uh, sorry, a health study just before I got here and housing came up in the top three needs of, of health. And so the county's health department is housing as one of its priorities. So we partner in that. So I try and find as many different organizations that I can partner with to get the work done. Um, part of the strategic plan is to grow from a single person entity to a five person entity over the next five years, because I don't believe the work is achievable with just myself. Um, either the work won't get done or I won't be around to do it because I'll have worked myself into uh, a hole somewhere. <laughs> right, right. So that, uh, that strategic plan, how, um, how much does that guide your day to day life? Because, you know, I, we know of organizations that have strategic plans and throw them on the shelf and never pay any attention to them. And then we have other organizations that literally don't do anything unless they can put up, a, um, you know, a, a banner that says item number 12 on the strategic plan has now been accomplished. So mm -hmm. for you, how does that play out? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll stick myself on the fence and say my aim was to build something in the middle. My aim was okay. to build something that provided direction. And I, I think the strategic plan for me, yes, it should provide direction and guidance, but it's not my purpose. It's not my vision. That is unwavering. What we do at the end of it. So for us, our, our purpose statement is that we champion economic vibrancy in Salt County. If what we do doesn't do that, yeah, then I'm not going to do it. Our mission, which will change over five, six years as things go right now, is to be the catalyst for business success. Uh, that wouldn't have been the mission when we started in 1976 because we had mass unemployment. We had to catalyze em employment. We had to help right. people, not companies at that point. Um, so I think for me that the strategic plan we've built is, is a five-year one. We have three strategic anchors within it. Um, one is to remain and continue to be a trusted partner. One is education and upskilling, and the other is community responsible development. Um, which was one of the main themes that came of the listening sessions we did in this community. When, within each of those, we have our strategic initiatives. That they're your one, one initiative one, initiative two, up to twelve, right. thirteen. Um, and then I built my operational plan off that. And the operational plan to me is completely changeable. Uh, I, I've set it out. I have my blocks. X March, February, June. These are these are the months. These are happening. These are the months. Those are happening. Because I have to present something. People have to be able to mark me against something to see whether I'm doing my job properly. Sure, right. But to me, the only rule under that all is I'm happy to change as long as we're championing economic vibrancy. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think that's very well described.
Um, oh, how about funding? How how is the organization funded? Yeah, so historically we have been a mixture of both private and public. Um, municipalities in the county have, have chipped in um, heavily um, over the past, and our private base has, has come together. One of our initiatives is to become um, privately sustainable. Uh, one of one of the asks was for us to remove our public funding, um, not because of a negative plan, just that this was something that had been approached by previously. And so over time, over the next couple of years, we're going to move to a fully private funded model. Um, and, and I was okay with that because to me, I think communities go great when the private side is more of an 80 than the 20. I think it's right. okay for municipalities and for public funds to chip in. But when everybody is fully engaged and fully committed to what you're doing, then we start to see great things happen. Uh, and that means higher private funds. That does. That, that is very true. I think that, um, you know, people put their money where their mouth is, you know, that, that saying. And, and that's one way to gauge whether or not you have the community all going in the same direction is whether or not mm -hmm. they're funding and paying for things out of their own pocket. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and it, yeah, not because I I don't want the municipal money, or, or because no, right. or we don't want a lower budget. But I think you're right. For me, it's about, and and I think that's probably the same for you. And the the tricky part is getting everyone moving in the same direction, knowing that it's okay to be on different paths. Mm -hmm. All the cities are different, but as long as our our purpose or our vision is the same, the nuances might be changed, and the new and and the details might be special for your community. But we're all going forwards, or we're all going left wherever we need to be doing um that that's the part i have to get buy-in into right and and honestly um economic vibrancy is a pretty broad term and community responsible development that just means that it, it, that's going to look different in every community so i, yeah. I can see how that would work yeah. Yeah. And the, the vibrancy one was we, we wanted something with a little more kick than just we're doing a good job. The community responsible piece was we, we're starting to now refine and define that into what it means for each community. So we have American Players Theatre. It's not actually in the county, it's just outside of a village called Spring Green. Spring Green made a very conscious decision 10, 15 years ago. They don't have any chain or big box stores in the village, they're all outside on the highway. Downtown is just small business, no Dollar General, no quick trip for gas stations, things like that. They're all locally right. owned. So community responsible for them means something completely different to Lake Delton at the top of the county, where we have these enormous mega water parks that right. places like um, barbecue joints and other places like that survive because of the tourism coming in. And so one of the aims that I have is to create a countywide consensus for what community responsible means. And I think from where we're heading, it's going to be along the lines of if there are brownfield development sites available, you have to show me they don't suit your needs before we allow you to take a greenfield site. Um, these types of definitions underneath what community responsible means so that, as your point, it's not just a broad sweeping statement. But when someone says, hey, that sounds like a load of garbage or, yeah, we've heard that before. Yeah, this is what it means to us. These are the things that we want to see. That makes perfect sense. So um, I imagine you're out, you're visiting these communities. Like you said, you have office hours in each of these communities. Um, and you mentioned in your pre-interview that you're a non-elected community official. And I, you know, I'm the same way. I'm a non-elected 
community um, official. How does that play for you? How does that, you know, what, what, what responsibility do you feel like that you have in that position? Because you have the option, the opportunity and the option to make a difference in all kinds of people's lives and to, you know, play a sort of outs, have an outsized influence in what happens. So how do you balance that responsibility? Yeah. And I, that's a really good question because I think it's something that I do struggle with. The responsibility weighs heavy on me because I want to make sure everybody has that chance. I, I had an email from a small business that's coming today and it starts with, I'm really stressed and worried. And I'm sat there going, well, that makes me really stressed and worried because I, I want you to succeed. I don't need you to succeed, I guess, at the end of the day, but it does weigh on me both emotionally and for my responsibility in the job. Um, and so I think it's probably a, a failing of mine of getting too emotionally attached to everything that's happening. Um, but I think for me, it's about realizing that there are other people that can come in and help with some of these things. We have very good chambers. We have a good county. We have very good municipal leaders. So it's how do I start to manage what is possible for me and what I want to be able to do, and then look at that back through the lens of those values and, and then what we spoke about just then of, okay, are we a valued partner? Do we do it in a community responsible way? Um, and are we focused on education and upskilling our population? Uh, and just coming back to some of those grounding documents and our, and our values and, and our company's values are integrity, competence, and communication. Um, and if I try and make sure that we act with those, then it allows me to take a, a slightly more laser-focused approach to some of the projects where perhaps I shouldn't be committing as much time as I am, um, even though I feel it's my responsibility too. Uh, and sometimes people are competence as a, as a value because it sounds so basic. Um, right. But I've been to so many places, and, and I won't say any, but I've been in so many places or, or met so many people or jobs where sometimes all they, all they want is basic competence. Let's do, the, let's do the bare minimum. And hopefully over the next 10, 20 years, we'll be able to up that to excellence. But until I can live that and we deliver that day to day, every day, we'll stay as competent. Otherwise, it's just an aspirational value. Right. That is a really good point that really it is about competence um, in the sense that you, it needs to be, competence needs to be delivered day in and day out. And ultimately, that does become excellence. If you can, if you can um, know with confidence that some organization is going to be competent every single time you interact with them, that's excellent. I mean, that's almost the definition of excellence. That, yeah. that consistency, that just, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, that was when it came of the difference between those aspirational and core values was if I can't tell you a story today about how I was competent, then it's not really a core value. Right. Um, and so that, that's why we ended up being what we, what we chose from there. Um, but yeah, I think, and, and maybe you feel the same, I think that I view myself as this non-elected official where I represent everybody because everybody here has a stake in and has a stake in where we live. Um, and, and it does weigh heavy, but I also think that's a good thing. I think someone told me the, the definition of, a, of an entrepreneur was someone that's overly invested, whether that's emotionally, whether it's financially, whether that's time-wise. Mm, right. And I'm like, well, we're all, we, we should all be entrepreneurs in our roles. If you're not overly invested in one of those ways, 
maybe you should be in a different role um, to be kind. And not everyone has that opportunity, I understand. But imagine if we could. Imagine if we could all be overly invested in some way into the role that we hold. Wow, that's really inspiring. And I think that, you know, I've talked to a lot of economic developers and I would say on the whole, they are all overly invested in their jobs, in their communities, in the people, because we have such an important job, you know, um, getting pe putting people to work and making sure they have places to live and, and places to, for childcare and places for healthcare and, you know, all of that. It's, it really is a big, big challenge that we've taken on ourselves as economic developers. Yeah. I think so. And I, I think that's part of it that makes it great. I, and I, I felt that at, at the conferences that I was at was, wow, these are actually good people. Not that I didn't think that they were, but that was the, the bit that was leaving of everyone I spoke to, they weren't there even to sell their community. They just sold it anyway because they were so invested in what a great place it was to be because that's their job every day. Um, and I think some people don't understand it from that standpoint. I think everyone is very much focused on the science and what can we gain from stats and data and figures and how do we do this? And ultimately it's, it's the art of economic development that really sets the people apart. That is so true. And I have not heard it said better. So that, thank you. That was really good. The art. Yeah. Because it is, it, this is so interesting because I hadn't even, I hadn't thought of this, but what other occupation is so concerned about everybody, you know, so heavily invested in everybody and everything. It's yeah. And that's, we actually started our community discussions with that question was who does, who is economic development for? And, and most people normally come back and say businesses. Right. Um, and, and I get that. I, I really do because yes, we do quite often have a business lens put in front of what we do. And that's because that's one of the best ways for us to make a big difference. If we can increase average wage, if we can um, build more homes to get more workers, increase output, increase trade in and out, that type of thing, foreign direct investment, these are all great. But ultimately, the life of every single person that is within your geographic region, however that is described or prescribed to you, that's economic development. Because all of them touch a part of something all of them have a transaction in some way with what is your economy oh that's great that that almost gave me chills that was really good um i think that yeah it it is it, it is interesting because economics is just this is just the description of the method by which we get and the things that we want and need and give the things that that other people want and need and so yeah, absolutely. It's it encompasses all of that. Mm -hmm. It does. It does to me anyway. And I know people have different views in it. Whether you're a, a neoclassical economist or an innovation-based economist, or however you want to view it, it, there are all different nuances to how it goes. But ultimately, to me, it comes down to the people. Um, and within people, there are exchanges. We exchange time. We exchange goods. We exchange stories. Every exchange to me is is a part of the matter that makes up our economy. And I want to have, and I believe I do have, a vested interest in each of those. Well, Thomas, this has been fabulous. And I, you know what, I'm going to have to have you back on. And we're going to have to have a totally different conversation because this is, I think there's a lot of places that we could go with this, this topic and this idea. But um, 
yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that again in the future. But for now, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so we're actually part of the part of the plan again. We're redoing our website, so it will probably be ready by the time that anyone listens to this. That's just scdc.com. Um, my email is director at scdc.com, uh, and on LinkedIn, I'm just Thomas Cox. Um, the URL is actually, I think, Thomas J. Cox uh, for the specific one, but I'm on there, um, and I reach and I welcome anyone to reach out. And I think within one of these professions, I think you said it well of you maybe didn't even go to a session at IADC, but you're left with such value because you spent your whole time, your whole time making transactions, uh, your whole time being part of that, the economic development economy. Um, and we're all part of that. Uh, and the more that we transact and the more that we cross those bridges, as you said, share stories and collaborate. Um, I think my favorite one is the Victor Huang book, the rainforest on that, but it's, uh, we can really create something great uh, for what the profession is going to become. We we know it's it's changing and we know that it's becoming something good and I really think it can become something superb. Fabulous. Well Thomas, thank you so much. My pleasure. And I uh, yeah, I would love to, I'd love to come back on and maybe we can we can discuss the art of economic development in a in a different one. Absolutely. We'll do that. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.